shouts to our sponsor, Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. For a first deposit match up to $100, use code COMBO. That's right, use code COMBO for a first deposit match up to $100. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. If you'd like to watch this episode in its entirety, Combo's Court episodes are now available on the NBA Report YouTube channel. I'll leave a link in the description for that as well. Let's get into it. Yeah, what's good, NBA Nation? Welcome back to another show of the NBA Report. We got a nice docket for today. We're going to talk about that nice Celtics and Jack, uh, Celtics and Nuggets game that happened on Friday. Then we're going to go to Timberwolves and OKC because you know Andrew wants to talk about his OKC Thunder and how they're going to be in the finals. And then we got to talk about the surging Utah Jazz. They may have dropped two, but hey, seven to three out of their last ten games. This team is right now tenth. So they're in playing category. We got to talk about this Jazz team and see if they're legit. So make sure to tap in, walk in, hit that thumbs up button for your boys, and make sure to support our sponsor, Prize Picks. Use that code NBAR to get up to a one hundred dollar match. Andrew, my man, how was your weekend? How are you? How are you feeling, dude? How are you feeling today? It was great. I ran the hill this morning. This is actually not Damn. our first Zoom Zoom call, right? Or call like we we've talked a little bit this morning. This I saw true, you played some basketball. Yeah, I did play some basketball. I played some basketball I this weekend. I saw I yeah. saw that on the stories. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. You know, I gotta I gotta go get back out to New York, hit you up for a run, man. We gotta we gotta link up and do that. I will play. I'm I'm happy I'm playing pickup again, man. It is just I've missed it. So because of COVID, I, I felt like I missed the prime years of playing pickup hoops, though. So now I'm gonna start getting to the twilight of like the Drew Holiday year. So that's all I can really offer on the floor. But so, hey. so so speaking of Drew Holiday, combo plays no defense. So if you're Drew Holiday, that'd be a great fit. Okay, let's go, man. Let's go. I'll, I'll pass the rock. I'll pass you the rock. You could th- uh, put up threes. I'll give you okay. some timely buckets. There we go, man. Okay, All right. Okay, As you go. saw on the reel, I'm I'm out there cutting. I'm, I'm getting layups. That's what I like to do, man. That's what I like to do. That's how I, I saw. Like to I saw. I saw. Well, let's get into the show, man. Enough about like our weekends and me playing pickup basketball and you getting in hills this morning. Right. Let's talk about the Nuggets and let's talk about the Celtics game that happened on Friday because that was a good match, man. I mean, you had this game going down to the wire. The Nuggets. Back at it again with another down-to-the-wire game. First one they had during the week was the match between the two MVP candidates between Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid. Embiid getting the better of uh, the Nuggets on that one. Philly gets the win against the Nuggets. Then you get another close game for Jokic. This time the Nuggets are on top in this one. You got a stellar performance by Jokic almost hitting a triple-double, getting you 30-plus points. I think he got 12 boards, 9 assists. And then you had Jamal Murray out there getting you 34 points and just giving you some solid defense, some solid playmaking as well. Those two guys led the way for the Nuggets to defeat the Celtics. And, look, Celtics had a chance to get back in this game. You had Jason Tatum who missed a layup, and then he had a step-back jumper that just – did not connect, so the Nuggets were able to walk away from this one. Andrew, what were some of your takeaways from this game? Obviously, Jokic cooking your former Nick, Porzingis, was interesting. And then on a lighter note, like Porzingis seems so happy. He was like talking about how tough it was to guard uh, Jokic at halftime, but he was like in a really great mood. That's good to yeah. see, like him being in a good, good situation and him playing well. But obviously, Jokic being Jokic, but Jamal Murray, I mean, 35 points. It feels like this guy will never lead the league in scoring, kind of like a, a Jimmy Butler. He's not a Jimmy Butler type player, but in the sense, like, I don't think he cares so much about stats, but when it matters most in the playoffs, right, in the finals, 
in big games like this, he's going to put up big numbers. And I think that was apparent here. He had a great game along with uh, Jokic and then all, you know, the supporting cast filling in when it needed to. Um, the Celtics helping my Bucks narrative once again. Just mm. struggling when the when it matters most. <laughs> I know you're happy when you ever get to see the Celtics lose, man, because you know, <laughs> I know you got your thing against Tatum. You know, I, I get that, and then you yeah. got the supporting a lot of, the, the a lot of tough shots this year. That you gotta you gotta keep going on. <laughs> a lot of tough shots this year. I mean, he, he's making them lately, but can you rely on that throughout the course of whole games with not getting easy, effortless buckets? Uh, using team basketball in the playoffs. Like, in the playoffs, you need it. I always say this, late-game situations and yep. the shot clock situations, you need tough shot bucket getting. But do you want to rely on that? I don't know, because that's what Jason Tatum has been doing, even though he's had a great season. Yeah, and so let's start off with the Celtics, man. Let's let's focus on the Celtics first before we get to the Nuggets. And, you know, they're the favorites right now. This was their first home loss to of the season. Denver Nuggets gave them their first home loss of this year. This team was just surging on all records when it came to protecting their home court. But you look at the way that these guys were playing down the stretch, and it's it's I feel like it's always a Celtics issue, right? It's like between the 20s, they're perfect. They can go like, you know what I mean? I'm going to use a football analogy. Like between the 20s, they're perfect. They can run, they can pass, they can do everything like a football, right? And then when you watch the Nuggets, I mean, uh, watch the Celtics, they can knock down some tough shots. They can get easy transition buckets. They can get you can find the open man who's cutting baseline and so forth. Uh, they work the pick and roll, pick and roll pretty well at times. Can knock down threes as Derek White is showing you, man, man, how he's just improves a three point shooter. But it gets yeah. down to late game execution for these Celtics, man, where it just seems to fall apart at times, especially in these high stake games against top echelon teams such as the Nuggets, and. This is, I guess, a concern for the Celtics if you've been watching for so many years, right? Whereas that you have the Jays and Brown and Tatum. And when you're supposed to be relying on these guys to close out the game, it sometimes ends like that with Tatum just missing like a tough shot. Like, is that the shot that you really wanted to go for? Should you have gone driving down to the lane? You know, you had a little bit more. He, he said he could have probably eased into it because he had more time on the clock than expected. But... I don't know. There's just things with the Celtics when I watch them. Like it's still the question of when it gets down to the wire, where you have to face adversity and you're not up and you're not comfortable. Are you able to come away with a victory? And sometimes, man, in these in these pressure moments, it, it just has not been the case for this team. Do you look at Jason Tatum as a superstar? Yeah, I look at him as a superstar. Yeah. I don't know. Why right, do you not? Do you not? Do you just look at him as a regular old star? Is, is that where we're going here? <laughs> Um, I feel like I have to see him like he's had great moments in the playoffs, but I think he needs to play at that level consistently through the playoffs all the way through the playoffs. Like mm. he has eight games this season shooting yeah. under 40%. I mean, mm -hmm. and then there's lately he's been shooting great with off a lot of tough threes. So my thing with Jason Tatum is just the consistency when it matters most, especially in the playoffs. I think this year he definitely has a chance to take that leap into absolute superstardom, but we will see. I mean, he's been really great for a really long time, but there has been times where his performance has went down a little bit when it mattered most. And even some people around the NBA question his heart. Question his heart, really? Mm. Like, like what, what are they saying? Like, he's not... Like when it gets too tough, he's just not in it. Like, what what do you mean by that, Andrew? 
people around the NBA that I talk to think he's not a champion. Okay. And that's easy to say when you haven't won one yet, right? Like, yeah. you, like people could have said that about Michael Jordan uh, before he ever won one. You know, they were like saying that scoring leaders can't win championships or you can't win championships around a guard. Like, there's going to always be naysayers and people, but it's like, even I, like when I look at it, and I don't want to keep bringing it back to the Bucks. like when I see Dame Lillard, he never won a championship, but I see like the heart of a champion, you know? Mm -hmm. Jimmy Butler, has he ever won a championship? No. I see a heart of a champion. And I think it's still questionable for Jason Tatum, man. I, I think that's something he's going to have to prove. You know, I think that's tough, man. Those are tough words to say. And I'm like, not, I'm not like the biggest Tatum guy, but I, I, I respect his talent. Like what you see him do around the oh, league and like how great, he's improved. Like greatly yeah, talented. Great talent, man. Like you yeah. see, like when he was like, what was a year two where they asked him, Hey, stop taking the long twos. You should be set. You should be taking threes instead of doing that. We need you to be driving more to the basket and taking, uh, being more of a physical player. He started doing that. They asked him to be a little bit more of a playmaker. He started to do that. I've seen, I've seen him add to his game in ways that you could say, yes, this is the stuff that we need. And like, he does it at such a high level. Uh, but for me, man, it just comes down to the clutch shooting and he's just not there. I mean, if you look at the NBA stats, he's 46 right now in the league tied with his buddy, Jalen Brown. And you just look at some of the field goal percentages when it gets down to and clutch shooting comes down to the last five minutes in the fourth quarter. He's shooting 33% from the field, 38% from three, which is great, but on such low volume, like he's from three, he's has even taken, he's not even averaging over one attempt from three yet. He's still shooting effectively. He averages more shots inside the, inside the arc, which is like what you see with that fadeaway jumper. But he's hitting 33%, man, which is not what you want to see, especially from your superstar talent. Like, you're supposed to be relying on him when he gets down to that crunch time. It just doesn't seem like he's that guy this season to be going to, even though he is one of your two two top guys. And it's interesting because, like, he admires Kobe and all this type of stuff, but yet it just feels like when the pressure just arises, it just seems like it's just too much for him to handle, which is, which to me doesn't, it doesn't, Surprised me considering that in that finals appearance they had Jalen Brown showed up more so than Tatum. But I don't yeah. know, man. Like it, it comes down to quad shooting, and he's just not giving you that right now throughout the through this part of the regular season. Yeah, I mean, it feels like he took Kobe's uh tough shot making gene, even though he doesn't do it to the level of Kobe, but didn't really take his uh clutch gene, you know. And you know, you talk about I wasn't even privy to those numbers in clutch time, but I kind of like just from the eye test and watching him play, he's relying on a lot of tough threes off the dribble, too. And he's and as I said, he's been making them lately. But is that mm -hmm. something you want to rely on in the playoffs? I think that's more something when the defense takes everything else away, you could go to. Not something that you're hunting. Yeah, I agree with that. I think for Tatum, um, it just like for Tatum, man, it's just going to come down to his execute late game execution and that he, he can clean up all of that <clears throat> moving forward. And that, like, if you want to say like, this is a good, this is a good lesson, man, because over the years, the Celtics, like when you watch them, they get very comfortable, especially when they either have the first seating in the, in the East, or they're like one of the top three teams. Right. And they're, it feels like they're always cruising. And then, Playoffs come around, they feel like they could flip a switch and really get activated. But that 
I feel like this is a good, if you're a Celtics fan, this is like a good reminder saying, Hey, the, the job's not done yet. There's still more to the season to, to, to go on through. And for Tatum and the rest of the team, this is a good warning experience because you're playing the, the reigning champs. You're playing the Denver Nuggets who you see, like it gets down to, it gets down to late game execution and those guys can just execute, man. And something that like when I watched the Celtics and when I was watching this game between the two teams, Nuggets just had much more, like, more crisp ball movement, man. It seemed like yeah. they understood, like, what everyone's role was and knew how to get to their spots with a purpose. Not saying that Celtics didn't know the spots or where they wanted to get to with a purpose, but the the passing just wasn't as fluid at times as I felt like it was for the Nuggets. Like, you know, you have times where you just want to ISO for, for Tatum, and you just try to get guys like, I don't know, like KP, like trying to get him, like, an easy bucket from three. And it's like, it's... It's just, it's like, it's just a little too formulaic, if that, if that makes any sense. Whether, where, as I watch the Nuggets, I feel like it's a little bit more free flowing, even though it's more organized. Does that make any sense, Andrew? No, it makes sense because Boston, that was always their issue, right? And Denver is the best in the league at that, just having unison on offense. And a lot of that is just the way they play off Jokic and how great they are off the ball, like Aaron Gordon and KCP with transition threes and Jamal Murray with the ability to not only play point guards, but, but to play two guard when Jokic is playing that point center role. So, I mean, it's just a perfect, is it symbiotic? Is symbiotic the right word? Symbiotic? Is that the right word? Maybe not. Okay. Something like that. But anyway, everything works well. It's like, it's like, it's in unison, you know? And, and I think the contrast was so apparent watching these two teams play because that often over the course of the years was a weakness for the Celtics. And that's the Nuggets biggest strength. Just how they gel, how they play with rhythm, how Jokic passes passes the ball, and the players around them fit so perfect around him fits so perfect with moving without the ball and be able to play off the ball. So, yeah, I mean, Denver is elite at that, and that's something the Celtics could always work on. A big part of it is because their their two best players aren't really the greatest passers. Like they could pass, they're not bad, but it's just not they're not elite at it. Yeah, and I guess that's what they were hoping for with Drew Holiday, and you know, you you incorporate Derek White into that, and you're you're thinking that they can fill the gap of just having a complete team that can facilitate. But then you just look at the other side and you see what Jamal Murray. I mean, obviously the engine is Nikola Jokic. I mean, you know, yeah. one one assist away from a triple double should just give you an indication. I mean, he's close to doing this on a nightly basis, but that should give you an idea of just how much of a facilitator he is. And then you add Jamal Murray, a guy who can just get to his spots, knows how to kick it out, but then. When I watch the Celtics too, is that the depth is just continues to be an issue for this team, man. I mean, I'm watching Reggie Jackson come off the bench, throw a body on Drew Holiday and knock knocking down some tough turnaround jumpers. And I'm like, if these two teams met in the finals, like these are going to be close battles as we saw tonight, but I'm taking the nuggets all the way through to, to repeat again. It just seems like they're cruising, man, at this point. Yeah, and I feel like when it comes to Jokic, like the gap is widening between him and whoever the second best player is. Even like, that, but, even being Embiid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just to me, he's just like Embiid is so dominant, and the skill level he has for a seven footer is just incredible. Um, the strength, the athleticism, and his skill set, like the way he could hang pull, and like he just has everything. He's so skillful for a big man, but. What separates Jokic is like his ability to connect the team, you know, 
And I think that means so much in so many ways for the apparent reasons. And then it also gives you juice, not only on the offensive side, but it keeps everybody involved and wanting everybody to play defense, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's where Jokic and Embiid are different. And I think Jokic is clearly better. And um, I think this gap is going to continue to widen between him and whoever you feel is the second best player in the league. For sure. For sure. Do you think, are you worried about Jalen Brown this season at all? Because it feels like after getting that big contract, you know, there's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to be expected of someone who gets a contract like his. He has like the he has the most valuable contract in the NBA right now, over three hundred million. And yet, it just feels like. And I know it's one could say that it's it's cluttered with that starting five because you got to make sure KP gets shots. Derek White is yes. taking a step up in hit in his play, um, but still, you pay you pay Brown to be. The one a, one B, I guess, because they're going to have Tatum as the one A. They're, you're paying him to be a a a one B, and it just feels like he's been up and down this season. What have you thought about Tatum? Yeah, I think you mentioned the Porzingis piece of it, and I think that's really important because Porzingis fits around what Tatum does a lot better than what Jalen Brown has to offer. Right? Even though I love Jalen Brown, like I always thought Jalen Brown was a lot closer to a level player than Tatum than, than most other people would. Like I love the way he breaks the game wide open with as with his athleticism in the playoffs. But when you have a guy like Porzingis and he's hitting on all cylinders, that's just better fit with a, when your best player is Tatum. And he's been incredible this year and often looks like their second best player. I think it's that more than the contract, just like how well Porzingis has fit in and fill in the gaps and I think that's why maybe Jalen Brown has taken a step back. It's not really that he lost any of his ability. It's just that Porzingis fills so many gaps and needs his shots because he's been playing so great. And the thing is, like, the Celtics stagger those two, right, <laughs> so heavily. So that may they both get to run their own units. So that way they both get to get the amount of shots that they need to get up. But it just... Like, I know he was on a, like, you just go through these games, like his points, he's like, it's 13 points, 13 points, 21, 32, 10, 35, 40, 31, 13, 15. Like that's going back from the Rockets game all the way back to the, the time they played at OKC and lost to them. And it's, it's interesting, man. Just like how, how he can have like these hot stretches, but then it just, it feels like he falls flat off the earth, man. Like even like, I know he shot well, uh, against like he shot well last night on 14 attempts against Houston, still came out with 13 points, got his triple double. But like the 13 points that he did against Denver was just like you shot 31% from the field. Like that, I feel like that can't be acceptable in a game in a high profile game where you need him to go against the Denver Nuggets. And that could this could be a potential finals. And I just feel like if this is what you're getting right now, I think that should be an alarm for the, the Celtics too. Even though they got the talent to get there, you still got to compete with the guys in the finals. Yeah. I, I would say, don't you, don't you feel like their bigger issue is probably the depth than Jalen Brown regressing, right? Yeah. I would, I would say that it's definitely the depth in Jalen Brown, but it's still like, if you, if this is, if you're not going to make any changes and you're going to rely on this, then depth and then Jalen Brown to me are going to be your biggest concerns with KP being healthy. Those are going to be your top three concerns, in my opinion. Yeah. It's interesting. We have all these concerns at, when they're playing so well, right? It's like, yeah. like they've been so good. Like their start, their six top players are, you know, they just fit the way modern basketball, they fit the way that you want to play modern basketball. And I know Missoula brought like an analytic type mindset to the team with them, you know, shooting more threes. And so Al Horford shooting 40% from three, which really mm -hmm. helps everything. So 
Uh, but it just does feel like something's missing. Like, and with Denver, even though they lost players like Bruce Brown, right? Like, it doesn't feel like anything's missing. This team just feels like a championship level team, and there's clearly a gap. Well, for Denver, let's talk about them for a second before we move on to the next topic. You know, you got Watson, who's just essentially replaced Brown, right? And then you got Christian Brown as well on that team. So they have their guys still like off the bench that can be impactful role players. But for the most of it, like they're, they're top four between MPJ, Gordon, Jokic, Murray. Those guys have been thriving. And I think the biggest X factor for the Nuggets this year is definitely Reggie Jackson, just to have him off the bench because he wasn't yeah. really a factor in the playoffs last year. If you can get Reggie Jackson to come off the bench and give you some critical scoring that he has, and I think the time that Murray missed really allowed Jackson to get more comfortable on this team, that's – Look, man, the, the Nuggets to me, man, even though they're not too, top two right now in the standings, they're, it feels like they're cruising and just saving their effort for when the playoffs come along. And then we're going to see them and be reminded yet again why the, this team was won the championship last, last year. I mean, you know the fr franchise had belief in Reggie Jackson when he didn't even get any playing time last playoffs, and then they just give him a pretty solid contract right after. Like That's they true. knew something there. Like they saw something in practice or something to give him that contract. And it's really paid off. I mean, he's a guy that would really help the Celtics probably off the bench. Like he could help a lot of teams off the bench. The New York Knicks off the bench, maybe. Oh but my God. He would help the Knicks off the bench uh, dramatically, man. That's what we need right now. We need another guy who can control the rock. That, that'd be a perfect fit. Right. Hey. Right. Um, <laughs> side note real quick. What's a bigger issue? Like, um, uh, because Jericho Sibbs, well, he's like their backup four at this point. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, he's the backup center. I mean, it's behind. Okay. At this point. Is upgrading that more important than scoring punch off the bench? Like, what What do you believe? Scoring punch off the bench. I agree, too. Like, scoring people, punch like, off the like, bench for the Knicks. Knicks fans are going at me for, like, saying, like, Brog, I, they, uh, they should bring in Brogdon because Jer Jericho Sims is, like, they're big off the bench. Like, they got to fix that problem. Nah, I mean, I mean, they didn't even get the disability exception for Mitchell Robinson. So there's a hope that he comes back. I mean, I, I guess the concern right now is because Hartenstein got injured, right? Like he oh, tweaked okay, his okay. ankle against okay. uh, the Raptors. So there's what's happening there. So I can understand why that is probably surpassed the need for a secondary uh, or not a secondary, but a primary ball handler off the bench. But it is primary ball handler that can contribute some offense. That is number one. That is the number one need for the New York Knicks. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But hey, so it's NBA Nation. Thank you for tuning in for another show of the NBA Report. It's me, your host, Alex Chateros, a.k.a. the Tratocast, with my guy, Andrew Salop, on the other side, a.k.a. the 1-2 combo. Andrew, let's talk about the next game on this docket. We have the Timberwolves going against OKC on Saturday. This was a good game, man. OKC didn't shoot the ball that well. They were down 11 in the fourth quarter. But hey, you got a fit, you got timely scoring when needed. I thought this was going to go into overtime once I saw Ant-Man get the ball, run back down the court, put up a three, get fouled. He didn't hit the three, but then unfortunately he missed two free throws, couldn't hit the rim just to get the ball back on the last free throw attempt, just trying to get, get the get their own rebound. And then it was just all that, it was all she wrote for, for the Timberwolves in this game. So the Thunder uh, come out here victorious and supporting your narrative. You know, I don't think that they're. I think I think they're a good team. I think they can make it to the Western. Conference. I don't know if they can make it to the NBA Finals. I still think you need them for to get a little more season before that happens. But they're making a case right now, taking down one of the top defensive teams in the West. What was your thoughts on this game? Yeah, and even to like combat my own narrative, 
I would say like watching them against the Lakers was concerning because mm. as much as I love Chet, it feels like they're lacking some physicality. Yes. Down there when when like you have to play like a Lakers with AD and LeBron and there's obviously other great teams with great bigs in the West, like the Minnesota Timberwolves, which they just played right now. But my question to you is like we saw Ann Edwards comments post game. We saw mm. SGA's IG comment. IG caption. So my thing is like when comparing these two players, I think SGA is clearly better right now. But if I'm taking one player for the rest of their career, I'm taking Anthony Edwards because of the elite skill set, the elite mentality, the elite athleticism, and just that superstar quality he has. When comparing these two players, would that would you have two different answers when it comes to like who's the better player now and who would you take for the rest of their career? Better player now versus player who I take would that for be, their would career. that be two different answers? I think so. I still, yeah. I still, I think so. Um, cause I could, I think so. I could see Ant-Man being the guy that you want to take for the career because shooting guard got the defensive ability, not saying that Shea doesn't, but he's still young in his career. You could say he's still young. He's 22. He's already achieved so much at 22 years old. The Timberwolves are now a top team after him being what? He was drafted in 2020. So we're talking about his fourth season in the NBA, third, fourth season in the NBA. Like, I, I I can understand why one would have, you know, project him to have the better career than Shea Gilgis Alexander and just saying Shea is better right now. But I'm going to play devil's advocate because I think you could just say it's Shea all the way through too because Ooh. the way So you're that taking Shea playing, as a GM. You're taking Shea over Ant right now for the rest of their career. Yeah, I pro I I could say I would take Ooh. Shea too. I think, and and I'm gonna argue this because it's tough. But I'm gonna go with Shea, and Shea is six six man. I think his I think his versus his ability to be a switchable defender. Not saying that Ant Man is it, but Shea, just his wingspan man. Like defensively, I think that's really more of a problem for one point guards, which you could leave him on shooting guards. And sometimes if he gets switched onto a three, he's still fine to do that. Now he's old. He's white. He's not necessarily can hang with all the threes out there, but I still think that with that ability to switch that you got to go with Shea, man, if you're looking at a GM, because that's one of the things, right? You talk about wingspan, you talk about height, like you will get the defense and then you will get the offense. I mean, the dude's averaging over 30 points and, and he's racking up assists like there's no tomorrow. So yeah. I don't know, man, it's a tough call, but I could see why I could see like, I could go with Shea. I think there's a good case, good case. You can go with Shea over Ant-Man. Okay. Okay. I'll go with that. When I'm looking like at Shea right now with these highlights and obviously watching him over the course of his career, we always look at like, oh, look how Chet moves at uh seven one or look how Wemby moves at whatever he is seven five. But even for six six, this guy is such a fluid mover, right? Like he moves yeah. like he's five eleven. And this guy is six six. Like just everything he does, the skill level, the footwork, the deceleration in the lane, the skill with either hand, the three level scoring, like he's shooting it better from three now. Um, just one of the most skillful players in the league. I would still probably have Kyrie as the most skillful, but SGA is right up there with uh, the league's most skillful players. And then underrated athleticism on top of that and a two-way player. Like he, he's a legit superstar level player. I know he's not a household name yet um, when it comes to the fan that doesn't really watch basketball on the day-to-day. -day. Like your grandma might not know about SGA right now, but man, like just in terms of play, <laughs> just in terms of play, that guy is a superstar level player. That's for sure. I, I guess the only thing like 
the only downside to SGA is his three point shooting, right? It's not where you'd want it to be. It's not close to it's not close to league average, and that's where you can go with Ant Man, and that's where you can say, oh, he's more of a three level threat. But the fact that Shea can just get his shots 15 feet and in and still yeah. make an impact to get 30 points, I mean, that's tough. If you can't stop somebody, I'd take that all day, even if you're a legitimate three-level scorer. SGA, man, he's a tough cover. Like, no, nobody's swallowing SGA down. I mean, nope. you just look at how he's just composed in these late-game executions, too. It's like you can't teach that stuff, man. And for the jump that this team has taken as a whole – like I know this is why it's just tough to have the debate between Ant-Man and SGA because both of them just have taken their teams from last season to new heights. But Who's I can say I, I think we'll go with SGA, man. The more I talk about it, I'm going to go with SGA for both those categories, even though it's a close one. It's a close Ta one. Tatum or SGA? Uh, I'm going to take SGA. I agree. I'm taking SGA over, over Tatum. Like I, I like Tatum too. Like I like Tatum. I'm not the biggest Tatum guy, but – Man, there's just something about SGA, man. Like it's just thirty points easily, and and, he, and it's just you yeah, can't. Yeah, I mean, stop you it. could say you could say Tatum's a two way player, but this guy's a two way player too. You know? Yeah, I would probably. We'll get the clutch numbers right now. Let's see where I'm trying to look up the clutch numbers for. It, where it's SGA like almost be. like he, they both like like to get in the mid range and take tough twos. It feels like SGA's tough twos aren't as tough. Like it's not he he makes Here. it look he makes it look more effortless, and I'll I know we could I know we could get enamored when comparing players like who makes it look more effortless. It doesn't necessarily mean they're the better player, but when I watch SGA play, like I think his game is tailor made for the playoffs with that ability to get into the mid range, as I always say, in late game situation in late game late game situations and the shot clock situations. Like if he has enough around him, he's going to be super dangerous in the playoffs. Yeah, here. I got SGA right here when it comes to the clutch. So I told you 33% from the field for Tatum. SGA in the clutch. That means the last five minutes in the fourth quarter, Andrew. He's shooting 62% in the clutch. Ridiculous. 62% in the clutch. His three-point shooting is abysmal, but he doesn't need to take a three. Said 25%. Going with SGA over Tatum, man. Let's throw the expert analysis out the window. Like when when I when I watch SGA play, it makes me want to play basketball. Tatum, not so much. You know, it's funny. I actually did get a pair of Tatum, though. <laughs> What'd you say? I did get a pair of Tatum. They're the only sneaker that fit me well, though. Oh, oh. I'll, first of all, I don't, I don't care at all. Like who the player's signature is for the sneaker. Like as long as they're comfortable. And as yeah. long as they, they look cool, like that matters to me. Like they got to look cool, but I don't care who it is. I'll wear anybody's sneaker as long as they're comfortable. They're good performance. They look cool. So I, I would wear Tatum's. I don't mind, you know, definitely. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So with, okay. So, so with, until we get, there a, any until, we, until we get a sneaker sponsor for the show, then I'm wearing those, of course. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. So <laughs> are there any concerns with watching Minnesota in this game and how they weren't able to execute weight in the game? Like it just feels like it's either Ant-Man or bust at times. Like, sure, you got Cat, who's a good scorer out there as well, but it's Ant-Man or bust for this team. And when I watch the Thunder, like, they even went down to my guy Jalen Williams, man, in the clutch, knocking down some clutch He's free throws. He's, He's tough, tough, man. I He's love tough. Jalen Williams. But it's like, it feels like OKC, and it might be because they're a young team, and so they don't really, they haven't really created that, even though it's SGA and then everyone else falls into place afterwards, but it feels like it's more team-oriented on OKC where it's like 
yeah, if it's like a really clutch bucket that we need, we'll go to SGA because he's more reliable. But it could be anybody on this team that just has that gets it going from a, on a night to night basis. And I just feel like it's always Ant Man or Bust, and he's the only like legitimate score. Like Cat could score, but like legitimate score that can get to anywhere he wants on the floor. Yeah, you know who's a legitimate scorer though, and a legitimate like really underrated player, Nas Reed. That guy Ooh. is good. Nas Reed is nice, man. Yo, he's nice. Yeah, I love his game. I mean, he get, he gave you 18 points off the bench. He's solid, man. He's he's a starter in other teams, easily. On a lot of other teams. At what position? Because he's a little, like, would you have stretch, a center? Stretch, or would you oh, have... stretch five. Stretch five? Yeah. Okay. You're not worried about him? Because I think he's like 6'9". You're not worried about him being 6'9", playing center? Because that's so kind of the whole, that's my whole thing with, like, Sabonis. Like, imagine him with the Clippers. Even though they're they're doing great already, like obviously those centers are filling the gaps. Like Zubak and Tice are doing great, but just like I I like the idea of him starting, man. That guy's, but you know he's nice off the bench because he can fill it up. But I mean he's he's really underrated, I believe. But yeah, I mean when it comes down to it, like it can get clunky on offense because they got like all these bigs that need to get playing time. But I just believe Anthony Edwards Edwards will be able to figure it out in the postseason and really be able to carry this team. You know we we can't overreact too much. Uh, to every single game, even though when we were talking Celtics, I was probably overreacting with all the um, concerns when it comes to the Celtics. But that's just for my Bucks narrative. But here I don't think. <laughs> but here I don't. Here I don't think uh, we need to overreact too much. But I mean, these are two really good teams. You know, it could have went e either way. But SJ on this night had a better game than Ant Edwards. You know, it's just apparent. And then Ant was saying that you can't touch him. And then you, what do you goes, think about that comment? What do you think about Ant Man saying that you can't touch? SGA. You know, I, I do believe that SGA has the type of skill set that's tough to officiate because when he slows down in the lane, you could kind of see everything, you know, yeah. like, like James Harden was good as that. Luca's good at that. And I think that just gives SGA an advantage. I don't think like the refs are giving him like the Michael Jordan treatment or anything, you know, um, as he gets I to the line, he gets nine free throw attempts. He's averaging nine free throw attempts per yeah. game. And it, it's not even like he's fishing them for them like uh, Trey Young or James Harden when they were really doing that like three years ago like crazy, right? Like he's kind of yes. – he's playing the game. I don't think he's like trying to juice the system or anything, even though that's okay to juice the system. Like you want to play to the rules, right? But I just think the way he slows down in the lane and the way he kind of keeps his body on you – uh, that allows him to get a lot of time to the line. And he's a, just a tough cover. Like, at the end of the day, what Ed, Edwards is saying is, like, it's tough to guard him without fouling him. That's another way to look at it, right? <laughs> yeah, that no, that's also true. I don't think, like, I get, I think we, it's frustrating where you're so, like, you can just see Ant is just a competitor, man. He's just trying to get it out there. And sometimes as a player, you got to say things that, circle the airwaves to get something in your favor, right? And when you talk about fouls, I mean, it's like Tom Thibodeau or even like, um, I forget, uh, the Raptors head coach when they were talking about, you know, fouls throughout the league, right? And saying, you know, I'm not, our team's not getting fouls. Our guy's getting beat up. And it's just kind of to put the league on notice saying, hey, look out for us because we want to be, we want to have like a fair battle or, or, or so forth, right? And just to be, just to make it more cognizant, right? Just to have the rest more cognizant of what's going on. But to your point, I don't think, SGA is that type of guy is that's foul hunting. He just attacks the lane relentlessly. And then someone who can do that while he's averaging 35 minutes per game, like to, to cover somebody who can attack the lane for 35 minutes, that's exhausting, man. 
that is absolutely exhausting. So, and you got to think that you're going to be out of position at times. You're going to be reaching at times. It's just a case that he's, he is truly getting fouled as he's attacking the lane, man. I, I don't think it's anything else more than that. And Gamba, if you can, man, we, uh, if you could create a poll, I want to know what the chat's got to say. Who would you take? Who would you take? I want to know who, who the chat would take SGA or Ant-Man. They talk about me for my post game, not my post game. Don DeMarco to that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, SGA with the caption. Uh, you, I, oh, you is this the rivalry we want, Andrew? Is this the rivalry that we want in the West, the upcoming rivalry between these two young teams? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, come on, SGA and Ann, that's, 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 that's box office. That's get your popcorn out. That's the type of players we want to see in the postseason, you know. Um, they're just so much fun, and they're just, like, really good. Like, there's a lot of style there. Um, Ant talks more than SGA. SGA is a little more quiet, but SGA shows his style and his fashion more. Like, they both got the style, but they both got a lot of substance to their game as well. Like, both super skillful, both super athletic, even though Ant's probably a little bit more athletic. Um, they're just like, yeah, man, the style, the substance, like, and then – and with the way he talks about the game and then SGA with the fashion, even though he's more of like a mystery man around the league. Like I think like for years to come, this is going to be an amazing rivalry rivalry. If it could, if it could sustain, but either way, if it's a rivalry or not, like these guys are going to be interesting for years to come. And some of the, probably two of the league's best players, like you probably throw Luca in there. Right. Um, and bead, even though, you know, he's aging a little bit. I mean, Jokic is in his prime, but these guys are the future, man. These guys are absolutely the future. And, and they're right I'm now. I'm looking forward, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're there right now. But this is the future. I mean, <laughs> SGA is 25. Ant-Man's 22. This is – we're going to have – these guys are going to be staying with their teams. I don't see the Timberwolves letting go of Ant-Man. I don't see OKC letting go of SGA. These two guys, we're going to see – hopefully th- – is this is this a round one battle that you want, or is this the Western Conference Finals battle that you want, Andrew? I want to see a round one. Round one. Yeah. I want to see that round one. Yeah, I don't think it can happen, though, right? They're both going to be too good. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, they're going to be too good. I mean, unless maybe the I'm just impatient. To, maybe, maybe I'm just impatient, Alex, but I would I, like unless to Unless the Nuggets decide to turn it up and take one of the one or two spots, then that could happen. But who would you uh, rather see? OKC versus the Lakers or OKC versus the Timberwolves? OKC versus the Timberwolves. Yeah. Also, I think that, like, the Lakers would be a tough matchup for OKC. Just like, you know, Styles make fights. Even That's though, like, the, thing, the Tim- yeah. Timberwolves are better right now, but, like, AD and LeBron in the paint. I mean, that's going to be, like, Chet's it's been tough. great, but that's, that's going to be too much. It's tough. And the thing with the Thunder is that if S- this is where you would need SGA to be a better three-point shooter because if he was... What's his percentage walk this year? It improved, right? Isn't it better? He's shooting 34% right now. I mean, but he's shooting those like off the dribble. Like it's not. I mean, he had a step back. He had a step back. Okay. So shooting 30, he's shooting 32 and a half percent right now from three. He's down from last year where he was shooting 34%. So that's like my concern, man, with this team, because even though they're, and what's funny is like, they have a good three point percentage (laughs) on, on the season as a whole, but they don't take a lot of threes. They're 17th in the league when it comes to taking threes and they are. 11th and make so they're they're pretty well but they're pretty good they're pretty efficient when it comes to making their threes but it's it's stuff like that where they can knock their they can knock threes down 
But then when you got to compete in the paint and you think about Chet versus AD or Chet versus LeBron, or you're going to, if you're, if you have Jalen out there playing the four, which is what he's listed right now on the depth chart, and he has Bob, to go against LeBron. Chicken. That's Bob, just, that's, that's too tough, man. That's what I'm saying. Like to be like that, I feel like to be a well-rounded finalist contender, like, you got to be almost indestructible at any position, man. You know what I mean? Like at any type too. of style. Yeah. 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 You got to, like, you got to be versatile, but you also got to be kind of indestructible. And like, I believe that they could get there if they get the right matchups, but it's just why I'm a little hesitant to be like, I could see this team in the finals right now. You need to see the path for them in order to make that, make that, uh, make that call. But hey, salute to NBA Nation for tapping in again on another awesome episode episode of the NBA Report. It is me, Alex Terrace, aka the Tratacaster, and then my guy, Andrew Salve, the one two combo. On the other side, hosting this show, talking Celtics and Nuggets, talking Wolves and Thunder. We'll see what we got in the chat right now. We got 23 voters in the chat. We got 65% that said they would take SGA over Ant-Man right now. Right now, I agree. Well, actually, if you're the GM, you're taking SGA or Ant-Man. Oh, guess wow. They're taking, they're taking SGA, man. Are they prisoners of the moment? Or are they making the right decision? Only time mm. will tell. Only time will tell, man. Only time will tell. <laughs> shout out to getting a shout out to Parrish Duggar for the five dollar super chat. Look what I found: a gold chip in iHeart, and he's playing great, and he's been great. Now we got to trade him in a package to get the final guy needed, and we're and and we're where are his fourth team? Shout out to you, Parrish, for the five dollar super chat. Let's talk about Isaiah Hartenstein for the New York Knicks, Andrew. Uh. I don't think they're going to trade him. I don't think they're going to trade him this season. Uh, this is the last year of his contract, too. So I don't see them trading him. They need that center depth. He's just going to get paid in the offseason. A super chatter gave us that? Yeah. Some insight? I wouldn't trade iHeart. I think he fits really well also with um, Brunson and Randall, right? Like, he's just kind of like a big you like to place next to those guys, right? Even though he might not start when Mitch comes back eventually. But I, I like I like those three together in terms of like that connecting piece, you know, on the offensive yeah. end. And he's been really good defensively sure. too. Like the drop-off hasn't been that immense, right, from uh, Mitch to him, has it? No, I, it hasn't been that much of a drop-off at all. Actually, you could argue that you got – more uh out of your center position now even with Mitch and this is not even just to this is not hating on Mitch this is nothing of that nature Mitch is an awesome protector awesome when it comes to guarding the pick and roll awesome offensive rebounder like he's elite in those categories but the well-roundedness of Isaiah Hartenstein especially offensively defensively his ability to pass has just opened everything up so you can even argue that even when Mitch comes back you could stick with him you can stick with iHeart as your starting center and then allow Mitch to come off the bench and get back into more of a flow of things because I don't think you want to ruin this, the fluidity of the offense that you have going on right now for the Knicks, man. It's it's just that tough uh, to, to to break right now. And shout out to Hans, I don't even know how, Hans Hsu. He's new here. Shout out to you, man. Salute for being, welcome to, welcome to the channel, man. Welcome to the NBA report. All right, Andrew, let's get into our final topic which is the utah jazz man the utah jazz have been surging as of late and i want to know if you're a believer or if you think these guys are just pretending right now the utah jazz are currently 10th in the western conference standings they're 22 and 22 they lost their last two games but they're seven and three over the last 10 are you buying that the utah jazz will make the play-in 
or is this all for show and they're going to fall back out again? I mean, so like you're asking me if I'm a believer and it's like, what are we talking about even, right? Like a believer in them making the play in, I guess. But like, how does that really help them in the long term? You know, I feel like you, um, well, I guess if it's not just for the play in, but also for the future, Andrew, like, do you believe that this is a roster that you can kind of keep intact and continue to build around Laurie marketing? Like you have Jordan Clarkson, who's on the trade block, you know, Colin Sexton's been hooping. That's my guy over there. And then you got, I mean, they did trade for uh, Collins, right? <laughs> you do have Collins on that team. And then you got Kessler as well. So are you buying this team? Or are you buying the direction of this team? Yeah, because I think they're, um, the winning mentality is always good, right? Like I think tank culture could hurt you sometimes in the long run. Um, I like the idea that they're trying to win basketball games, but I'm not buying them in terms of like any kind of damage when it comes to um, – postseason but i would say like are there guys here that you think they should move off of and try and get some more value since they are in rebuild mode and then maybe try and get a better draft pick um like colin sexton and jordan clarkson are two guys that could help the new york knicks and many other teams around the league uh, one of those guys you'd like for your new york knicks uh i know clarkson's the name that mark stein has put out there in reports that the knicks are interested and he, didn't play, in. he didn't play a lot last night, right? He, he hasn't been playing as much. I would have to go back. I didn't catch last night's Utah Jazz game. But he has been in and out of the lineup. I know the right. start. The guy I like, I told you, is Colin Sexton. That's my guy right there. I like the way Colin he said, Sexton And he seems like a Tibbs guy. He, I mean, come on, man. He's a dog on defense. Yeah, He could just score. Out Do you remember that moment that went viral when he was in college? Like He was like... Yeah. Defense. That was, yeah. And then he he killed the team like four and five. Remember that? Wasn't that in college too? Like, I think everybody fouled out or something. The three on five? <laughs> oh, it's three on five. Oh, my yeah, God. Man. That's crazy. He's a dog, man. I loved, I wanted the Knicks to get him. He, just, I wanted the Knicks to get him so bad in that yeah. draft. He just went right before, went to Cleveland. And I'm like, that's the guy. I mean, come on. We have the whole gif of him just staring his opponent in the eyes at the free throw line. That's yeah, the type yeah. of guy that I want on my team. That's the that's the type of guy that you need if you want to be taken seriously as a defense. I I know he's probably cost a lot to go get right now from Danny Ainge just because he's been balling, but that's the guy I'd like to see in a Knicks uniform, man, Colin Sexton. But yeah. sticking with the sticking with the Jazz, you know, I I'm with you. Like they got to sell pieces, man. I mean, I don't like they have Collins right now out there in the starting rotation. And I'm just like, is this what, is this how you want to keep moving forward with marketing out there as well? Like you got marketing playing the four Collins starting at the five. You got Chris down, Chris Dunn now playing point guard with Keontae George coming off the bench. Um, like it's been, it's intriguing. Like I like what Will Hardy's doing with this team, but I think you got to move off of some of these guys like, Jordan Clarkson. I think you got to move John Collins, as you're saying. Like, THT is another guy you got to be thinking of. Like, is is T Chris I don't Collins know. Does THT have value anymore? Ever since he got traded from the Lakers, I'd say no. But <laughs> yeah. And then Bubble you got THT Chris Dunn, was man. good. Like, are you buying like Chris Dunn right now? Even though he's playing, he's playing pretty well with the Jazz. Like, this is not really a team. I'd say, oh yeah, this is the team of the future. Like, if I'm the Jazz, I'm looking at Walker Kessler. We'll get Laurie Marketing. We're going to Colin Sexton, Keontae George, 
Like those are probably the four guys. If I'm being serious about that, I would keep. And then everybody else is just open. Like maybe you keep Kelly Olynyk too. I, I don't know. That's another guy that's been on the trademark. I mean, not too long ago they said everybody except for Keontae George and Mark and were on the trade trading block. But who knows? Things could have changed. Yeah, I don't know, man. Who knows the direction? They feel like a team that's in purgatory, right? Yeah, I yeah. feel I feel so. But do you, like if you're if you're the Utah Jazz, are you worried about making the play in this year or like what? I mean, if you don't if you don't make a trade, then I mean, I think you try. I don't know, man. This is an interesting team because I now think you're they need to well. like I need think think they need to continue to try and win, but also trade the players that you don't feel like you're going to build with for the future. And that can help other teams. You know, when you do favors for other teams, good things come back to you. Is Danny Ainge, somebody who's done favor favors for the other team. This is, this is, this is news to me. This is news to me, Andrew. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. He gets a, remember what he got for Rudy. <laughs> Insane. Yeah, he got like 28 picks. Oh man. <laughs> Between him and Donovan Mitchell. Actually, we're looking back on that Donovan Mitchell trade. Is there a winner or a loser to that situation? I don't know. It's not looking good for the Cavs, but they've been playing a little better lately. They've been playing better, but I feel like the Jazz are coming out on top of that trade. I mean, you have the whole rumors of Donovan Mitchell as he's going to stay as a Cleveland Cavalier. And then if oh you're looking God. at... Was that Colin Sexton with that dunk? That was crazy. Yeah, man. That's what I'm telling you, man. I'm telling you. Uh... I don't know. If you look at the Utah Jazz right now with the draft assets they got from the Gobert and Donovan Mitchell trade, you got Markin, who was an MIP last year. Colin Sexton's playing good basketball. You were able to draft Keontae George. Igbaji's a solid 3 and D player coming off the bench. I don't know. They made out pretty well, man. This team has made out pretty well. I think they got, uh, you know, they got some they got some solid guys on, on that roster. I mean, they man. got Markin in, in the Mitch trade. That was great. I mean... Teams have like people are almost giving up on him after the Bulls, you know. So it's good to see. I mean, legit All Star last year, legit All Star this year. So that was a great. They could build around him for sure, for sure. All right, man. So to NBA Nation, thank you for tuning in for another episode of the NBA Report. If you missed anything, make sure to be part of that replay gang so you can catch back catch our discussion about the Nuggets and the Celtics battling. The Thunder and the T-Wolves battling. And now, where are the Utah Jazz at in their, in their situation? But before we end the show, Andrew, let's talk about our prize picks, man. All right, shout out to our sponsor, Prize Picks. Make sure to use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. Guys, I love using prize picks. It's fun. It makes the game interesting. Look, and you can choose from any sport that you want to as well. You can choose NFL. You got, you got playoffs going on right now. So if you're all about football, make sure to be choosing some NFL picks and you can match mix and match between all the sports too. So you got NFL, you got NHL, you got NBA, you got college basketball, you got soccer, whatever you're into MLB. When baseball starts coming back around, you can put money on any one of those sports. And like I said, you can mix and mix and match. So you can get some NFL picks with your basketball picks and try to earn some money. And so the one thing I love though is that you can choose any statistical category, Andrew, like they really opened up the categories that you can choose. You can choose, you can do combo three pointers made, combo points you can do uh three pointers attempted three pointers made free throws attempted free throws made they give you all the statistical categories so that way you can make sure that you get to choose the best picks they'll get you some money and this is where i'm going tonight man here are my five picks 
First, I'm going with Emmanuel quickly to get more than 18 and a half points against the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. I think quick is, you know, he's coming off a, a decent game against the Knicks where not necessarily lighting it up from the field scoring wise, but I think he will bounce back and have a good game against Memphis, who is without John Morant, struggling team right now, not really playing for much. I think he'll show out tonight. I then went with Anthony Edwards to get more than 26 and a half points. The Timberwolves are going against one of the worst defenses in the Charlotte Hornets. You got LaMelo Ball on the other side, so I think Ant-Man's going to show out and get the points needed to make sure the T-Wolves get their victory. And then I'm then going with Giannis Antetokounmpo. They're playing the Detroit Pistons. I took West than 51 points, rebounds, and assists because he hasn't been hitting that mark as of late over the last four games. So I don't think he's going to do that, especially against Detroit. This could be a potential blowout factor. So I, I'm not I'm not buying that he's going to hit that. So I'm going to take the less on that. I then chose Scotty Barnes, your guy, Andrew. I chose Scotty, who's been shooting well from three this year to get more than one and a half three-pointers made. So I believe that he will hit two threes tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. And then last and not least, I chose De'Aaron Fox, they're also the Sacramento Kings are going against the woeful Atlanta Hawks tonight. And I think Fox is going to hit over two and a half threes. So I took more than two and a half three pointers made. And that's where I'm going with my prize pick selections for tonight. What about you? Speaking of the woeful Atlanta Hawks, uh oh, we're on the same page because I got Keegan Murray going over 18.0 points on that. Brooke Lopez, talk about woeful. He's mm. going against the Detroit Pistons. So I have him going over 14 points. Let's take it to Queens, man. St. John's. The San Antonio Spurs. Julian Champagny. Mm. One of the second round picks I really liked. I really liked the way he plays his game. He's a bucket getter. I think he'll get over 7.5 points. And Luke Kennard will go under, in my opinion, 14.5 points. Even though I think he's a great shooter. I don't think he gets the 14.5. And there you have it. Shouts to prize picks. Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy. Yes, sir. Daily Fantasy Sports Made Easy indeed. And make sure you use that promo code NBAR to get up to a $100 match. Salute to NBA Nation for tuning in on another episode of the NBA Report. If you missed anything, make sure to re rewind, be part of that replay gang, and catch all of our topics. And make sure to hit that thumbs up button for your boys, man. And make sure to subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. And make sure to share all these links and videos, all the shorts that we got on this channel. Start a conversation with your friend, okay? Make sure to follow us on all socials as well. Twitter, Instagram, wherever you may get all your social media content. And then you can follow us on the handles that you see below our screen, below our, our uh, I guess our screens, man, right here. But yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Shout out to the chat for engaging in this chat. We had 52 voters, Andrew. 67% said they would take SGA over Ant-Man. Ooh, ooh. How does that make you feel, man, before we leave? I agree with them if they're talking about the short term. I disagree ooh. with them if they're talking about the long term, which means they are talking about the long term if the, we're saying if they're a GM, right? So yeah, yeah. they're talking about the long term. Yeah. They I think they're wrong. The I think they're wrong. Oh wow. But shouts People. to the chat. But we always appreciate you. But I think you're wrong on this one. Always appreciate the chat. But Andrew <laughs> saying you guys don't know what you're talking about. Oh I didn't man. say that. Hey, Andrew's hey, trying hey, to start hey, a fight. Al, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> I didn't say that. <laughs> you don't like to stir the pot, Andrew. You don't like to stir the pot. Hey, at least it's not uh, talking about Trey Young and Jalen Brunson. But hey, oh. it is what it is. Yeah, we have it no time. Maybe next time. Next time, man. Maybe next time we'll talk. We'll have that conversation. But hey, 
Thank you all for tuning in. Shout out to the chat. Shout out to NBA Nation. We'll catch you. We out.